Welcome to Outside the Tank, the first podcast in the world that interviews the entrepreneurs featured on Shark Tank. We get the inside scoop on how they got there, what lessons they learned, their biggest regrets, what didn't air on TV, what has happened to them since, and so much more. Prepare to be informed, inspired, and entertained. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. Welcome to an all-new episode of Outside the Tank. I'm Tom. I'm Joe. We're talking about Quavos. It is a egg white chip. You'd hate it. What happened to the rest of the egg? What did they do with I want can he make some stuff out of the rest of the egg, the egg yolk? And you know what the best part is, is that these <laughs> egg white chips, they're not deep fried, so oh. you really hate them. How do you cook them? I, I, <laughs> are they, they air fried? <laughs> they're baked. Uh, no, these are, I've had them. Uh, they're really good. And I, you know, I love some of these healthy snacks because you know, there's still enough substance there. It's like uh, I've eaten those veggie sticks as yeah. well. I love stuff like that where it feels like you're eating a carb. It feels like it's... They're free uh, in our office here. They magically appear. Well, they're gone now because I <laughs> ate them all. I ate, ate all, all of them? Yeah, and I don't think huh. she reorders them because I, I think they're more expensive. And hey, so Morgan, they, get on that. <laughs> it's very frustrating, but yeah, I, I cleaned them out all the healthy snacks. But no, I do love these healthy snacks because again, they're they're baked. They're you know a little um, uh, you know a little softer than some of the you know hearty uh, stuff with a ton of carbs in them. But they still taste really good. They're still really refreshing. So the Quavos are awesome. I like them. Variety of flavors. Um, so. Zach, young guy, um, I had the chance to interview him. You were, I don't know, sick or vacation or hungover. Yeah, I was in rehab. All of them. Yeah. <laughs> all, of, all of those. Uh, so I, I had the pleasure of interviewing Zach, and, and I'll share, and I know you you watched the interview and learned yep. a lot from it too, but uh, they came out swinging on Shark Tank. They came in asking $200,000 for 5%. <laughs> so a five, I'm sorry, a $4 million valuation. Um which was high. And uh, each of these bags, eight grams of protein. Um, a couple of the flavors are keto um, approved. And uh, there's four grams of fiber. So in 2018, they launched this thing on Kickstarter. And here they are, January 22nd of 2021 on Shark Tank. So yeah. life comes at you fast, and, uh, which is awesome. This was uh, season 12, episode 11, by the way, for those that like to go back and, and watch these. Um, so the year prior to airing, they were on pace for $1.3 million. They were in 400 retail locations. Uh, they were making these for $0.83 cents per bag. And again, at the time of airing or, or filming the episode, they had raised $1.6 million, some of which came from Kraft Heinz through an incubator program. So to me, if you're going to get investment dollars, that would be the type of organization to get it from, yeah. where there's also resources and Strategy they could available. be a potential partner yeah. versus someone saying, hey, kid, I'll give you money that knows nothing about um, the industry. So I, I thought that was really good. And so At time of airing, 70% of their sales were online and about 30% were uh, emanating from retail locations. Yeah, remember what I, I explained to you last week was online means the internet. Oh, so that's where that that means yes. that they're buying them on like the, a website. The thing that Al Gore invented. Yes. 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 The intraweb. So that's the story. 
What did the sharks think? Um, it was interesting. Uh, Robert did not like the taste, but he was very impressed with <laughs> Nick and Zach. Um, Mr. Wonderful didn't have a lot to say. He was grumbling something about 20 cents a bag, <laughs> but he did make an offer. Uh, Daniel actually made an offer. He uh, cut their <laughs> value in half and offered uh, $200,000 for a 10% stake, and that wound up being a conversation. And then Lori was out really, really quickly, really didn't have a reason. Um, Cuban went out. He asked about other products, but he seemed to be disinterested uh, in the play. But they countered back and forth, forth with Daniel, and uh, Daniel uh, did a deal with them at 200000 um, at 10%. That was the deal on air. And then also provided a $200,000 line of credit. Yeah, line of credit of 200000 as well, correct. So that was the deal, but uh, you know, a, a guy that's very strong with branding, so that's the kind of person you want to get a deal with out of the five. And uh, yeah, let's jump into my interview with Zach. I think you're really going to enjoy it. And then afterwards, we'll talk about some of the things we learned from Zach. Yeah, and, I'll, and I'm going to go uh, start the internet. I think I could finish it. I have a little time this week, so I want to get through it. Hmm. Those aren't even dad jokes. They're like grandpa <laughs> jokes. Terrible. All right, we are here. Exciting interview. Looking forward to hearing all about Cuevos egg white chips. Uh, my order is on the way. So uh, in, in two to three business days, I'll have a, uh, a strong opinion and I, and I think I'm going to love them. But uh, looking, looking forward to those. Zach, welcome to Outside the Tank. Thanks for having me. So start at the beginning, where did the, you know, I know you covered some of this uh, on your pitch, but obviously things get chopped up quite a bit in terms of what makes air. So give us a story of, of how you came up with the idea for the business and how you got it up and running. Yeah, sure. Um, I guess I should say, uh, I think they were pretty generous in the editing and luckily they included a lot of the good parts, including the story. Uh, so most of that was captured, but basically uh, about I guess 11 years ago now, um, I was diagnosed with type one diabetes and basically what, you know, effectively a type one has to be their pancreas in addition to being a regular human being. So I have to figure out basically how does my body respond to carbs and how do I dose my insulin accordingly? And so what used to just be, you know, the, the ease and comfort of snacking, eating whatever I want turned into, uh, now, you know, I'm on call all the time having to be my own doctor. And, uh, so I had to just, you know, start paying really close attention. And eggs were an awesome option because they're very low carb. And so I could just eat eggs all day long without worrying about it. And I realized those crispy pieces of egg white that coated the pan crunched like chips. And I thought, you know, I would love some, I would love to be able to eat chips without worrying about it. And maybe I could make them out of egg whites. And uh, so that was just something I played around with. Uh, my sister and I made some egg chips every once in a while. But then uh, right before college, so eight, seven, eight years later, I, I uh, basically decided I wanted to see if I could really make an egg white chip recipe. And uh, Nick and I had always been best friends. We'd always played around with different things and uh, thought about starting ventures together. And uh, so we did. We, we actually jumped on the opportunity and uh, started formulating the recipe. And then a couple of years later, uh, the, the business really got off the ground. So you, you briefly mentioned on the show that you made them yourself, but what kind of facility is this? Do you have your own commercial kitchen? Uh, where are you producing these at right now? 
Yeah, exactly. So it, it's a, a shared kitchen space uh, based out of Chicago. So, you know, really we're, uh, we, we are the, uh, the, the workforce, like making sure everything's running smoothly. Um, and so we wanted something that was close to home. Uh, initially, we just had one little corner of the kitchen and now we've got a whole floor and soon I, th I think we'll have uh, most of the building. Um, and we've got seven awesome uh, kitchen employees who come in every day and make the chips. And the, the impetus for that was a co-packer was just too expensive. It would have blown up your margin, correct? Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, we, we, we've been looking into co-packing since really the very start of business. And every few months we'd, you know, do another round of visits and uh, test runs. And really every single time the quote came back, we realized that the right move was to stay, stay put. So you mentioned on the show that you did a Kickstarter campaign. Tell us, you know, what prompted you to do the Kickstarter campaign? How much did you want to raise? How much did you raise? What did you learn from that process? Yeah. Uh, so the, the Kickstarter came after about five months of market testing. So we, we had um, launched about 10 stores and we launched on our own website. And at that time, we had been uh, experimenting with different ways of getting the word out organically or fairly organically. So we would send packs to influencers and, uh, you know, free, free, free product. And they would, if they liked it, they would tell their audience. If they didn't, then, you know, no harm. And, uh, and basically we just sort of rapid, rapid fire did an influencer blitz and then sold out in 15 days uh, at the end of that market test. And so we thought, you know, we're ready for the next step. Um, and that's when we decided to launch the Kickstarter campaign. Uh, I spent maybe about two months between the market test and the Kickstarter improving the formulation. And then Nick was really kind of uh, on, on the like influencer side, trying to, try to, um, you know, get, get more, more of an audience to hear about the Kickstarter. And then he was also thinking about how to engage the friends and family to make sure that the work got out. And it went really well. Uh, in a, I think in two hours, we had done $10,000, mostly from people that we didn't know, which was a surprise. And then, uh, you know, just expanded from there. We ended up doing um, 72000 that month. What was your initial wow. feedback from customers on, you know, I mean, I know why I like it and why I was like, wow, when I watched the pitch, but what's the feedback you get from customers on why they like the product so much or, or so intrigued to try it out? Yeah, there's really a whole range of things. I mean, I think people are intrigued by the, the egg white concept. Um, and especially for keto dieters, they know that egg whites are within the range of what's good for them, what they can, what they can have. And so that, that, that call out really um, immediately attracts a whole group of people. But for the, for the more uh, wide, uh, wide mainstream audience, uh, just the idea of making what is otherwise an indulgent option out of healthy ingredients with healthy macronutrients, that, that's really appealing. Um, and so, you know, there I, I want to highlight not only the protein, not only the low carb, but also all the fiber. Um, that's something that, you know, Americans just don't get enough of and people really appreciate the fiber source and then the healthy fats, uh, avocado oil and, uh, ghee make up, uh, most of the fat in, in the chips. So I want you to explain what you did with these influencers. Cause I mean, I, I get it, but I, I want someone that's an entrepreneur or thinking about creating a product. I want to, them to really understand how you hustled at the beginning. So tell us what you did in terms of taking the product and just sending it out places to see what would happen. Yeah, sure. I should, I should mention that that came at the end of about a four or five month period where we'd already been grinding, you know, trying to reach people. 
Um, I think what we discovered during that whole period was that it's much better not to have to sell your product. It's better if you could just say what it is and then somebody else sells it for you, uh, like to themselves. So, you know, they, they start to convince themselves how great it is and how, how much they want to try it. And then your work is done. And, you know, I, I think the egg white really helped with that the whole way. But for these influencers, the fact that it was keto made of these healthy ingredients and also had this fiber, that was really the strong selling point. And so we would reach out, we'd say, hey, check out our product. They would, they'd say, I'd love to try it. We'd say, perfect, we'll send you a pack. And then two weeks later, we'd see a post from them about how great the chips were. We, we didn't have to you know, convince them, we didn't have to pay them. It was just about getting the product to the right people. Um, but you know, that said, there, there's a lot of hard work that went into that. So we probably reached out to 100 or 200 people and then, you know, most don't respond because they, they don't have time or they don't see the message or they get a lot of solicitations. And then, you know, the 50 or 75 that do, uh, they're mostly interested and we send packs right out and, you know, uh, everything uh, is smooth from there because they love the product and their audience does too. <clears throat> Zach, I'm, I'm curious, did uh, Shark Tank find you or did you find them? Um, they, they actually did find us. Uh, they had seen, I think either they saw a publication that came out right around the time of the Kickstarter, or, um, we were also on a TV show right around that time also. And they might've seen that, uh, it was like a local, uh, news channel. Oh, and, uh, so they reached out and then we had a long process of, you know, going back and forth and, you know, making sure that we were, uh, that we complied with all the rules and developing the pitch and all that. But we, uh, you know, we'd, we'd had Shark Tank in mind since the, the beginning. So it was pretty exciting to hear from them. Your, your, uh, I sense your preparation was fantastic. And anyone that's seen the show knows that they absolutely loved you. They were so impressed with not only your youth, your youth combined with the fact that you guys understood your business, you knew your numbers. It was very, very clear to any business owner, any entrepreneur watching that you guys were wise beyond your years on that show. But how much preparation did you and Nick wind up doing uh, before the pitch? Yeah, a, a good amount. So we were, I think they, they might mention out of the show that because of uh, COVID this year, we'd all quarantined in the Venetian. And so Nick and I each had our own rooms, but they were conjoined and we couldn't leave those rooms for eight days. So they, they dropped us off. They said, have, have a nice week and we'll see you uh, the morning of. And so that, that was awesome. I, you know, I think uh, probably we wouldn't have made as much time to prepare had we not been in, in that situation. Uh, but yeah, we, we did a lot of, a lot of prep. Um, I think for any uh, aspiring Shark Tank entrepreneurs out there, one of the best things that we did was watch a lot of the show because, you know, the sharks aren't, it, there's not that many anomalies you know, they're, they're business people, they know what they're looking for and they ask uh, the questions that matter to them. And, you know, that, that really get, it gave us a sense of, what to expect. And I'd say it was pretty accurate. Everyone tells us the same thing though. You see that 11 minutes and it's well edited and it looks clean, but most uh, entrepreneurs that appeared on the show that we've talked to have said, Hey, there's some rapid fire stuff going on. They're firing at you from several different angles. Did you experience that as well? I think we definitely heard that too from a bunch of entrepreneurs. And so there was less of it than we were ready for, I think, because of, uh, because of how much we expected it. Um, there, there was definitely some of that though. Uh, you know, definitely lots of interruptions. Um, and then, you know, really some questions that just never got answered because some other shark would come in and interrupt 
uh, the shark code to ask the question. And so, you know, you're fielding things, you're not sure, you know, where to, where to spend your attention. But honestly, I'd say, you know, our actual experience filming the show was pretty smooth compared to what we expected. Gotcha. And Robert uh, went out early. He didn't, he was the only one that didn't like the taste. Everyone else seemed to really appreciate the taste of the product. And you had a couple of offers and I'm sure that uh, Tom and I have a few questions about what happened with the deal you eventually got, if you care to talk about that. But it, it sounds like you went in at uh, asking f- uh, for 200000 for 5%, and you settled at least on the show with Daniel at about half that valuation. Is that correct? Yeah, half the, half the valuation, um, but also a, a line of credit for $200,000. And so... Uh, you know, I, definitely better than just getting the 200K for 10%. Um, because, you know, our business is largely a cash flow business. We need working capital so that we can fund purchase orders, so that we can wait to get paid by the retailers who take, you know, 90 days. So we, right. we knew that was going to be important for us, you know, in the near future. So I, I, was, I was definitely pleased. I think we'd also been offered 300 for 12% by Daniel um, during, during the segment. And uh, the 200 plus 200 was, was better for us, all things considered. And of course, Mr. Wonderful came in, I, I think, with an offer that included the caveat of 20 cents a, a bag <laughs> royalty. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, the way we were thinking about that, uh, if we if we countered to, uh, to Mr. Wonderful, we would have uh, tried not to pay him back the, the 400,000 that he was looking for and instead just let him recoup his 200. Um, because, you know, to, to, to get 200 and then have to pay back 400 is just, you know, if you think about it, it's a really crazy interest rate. And, uh, you know, we're as a, as a business that needs to keep cash on hand, that just wasn't going to cut it. But if we'd only pay back 200, you know, over with five cents a bag, that would be over 40,000, I mean, uh, rather 4 million bags. Is that right? Something like that. Um, that would have been comfortable for us. Uh, and I think we were going to sweeten the deal by offering him 3% um, instead of the two and a half he was asking for. Any regrets or were you happy with how the pitch went and the deal you got uh, ultimately when it all played out? No regrets. Um, well, I, I did have one grammatical error and that kind of thing weighs on me a little bit. <laughs> um, but, you know, I, I, I uh, you know, it's not, uh, it's not the end of the world uh, considering how well everything else went. Um, you know, I'd say, uh, in terms of, uh, like what I would have done differently or what, what I would have told myself beforehand or what Nick would have told himself, I think neither of us feel like anything like that. Um, you know, I'd say if, if, uh, you know, a hundred different Nicks and Zacks walked into the tank that day, this went about as well as, you know, the 90 or 95th percentile given our preparation, you know, given all the variables. And so I, I really wouldn't, uh, wouldn't go back and tweak anything. Yeah, you guys came across great and you got, uh, by all indications, a very fair deal from from arguably the best shark uh, that was sitting there that day. Uh, so what happens when the show airs? Because, I mean, this was recent. Uh, it airs. And then what happens to, to the orders, to you guys? How is life different now because you aired on Shark Tank? Sure. Um, so uh, the first thing I think you were sort of hinting at that happens is you have to actually have to go and formalize that deal. And so uh, we, we spent about three months uh, working with Daniel and his team to think about, you know, which terms made the most sense for us and 
uh, we ended up, you know, uh, arriving at a deal that's very similar to what you saw on the show, uh, just with all the kind of, uh, all the extra stuff that goes into actually running up one of these contracts. Um, and so it's been great to work with them for the, for the couple of months that we have so far. Um, you know, Daniel is, you know, really knowledgeable, but also extremely well connected. And so he can just really think about what the right move is for the business and, and who we should talk to. And so he's been very generous connecting us with people. Um, and then in terms of, uh, since the airing of the show, we had a, a huge influx of traffic. Fortunately, um, Nick is a good networker and he took, uh, spoke to a lot of Shark Tank entrepreneurs about how much traffic they experienced after the show. And uh, so his projection was pretty spot on based on what he had heard and him thinking about our own business. And um, so we had built up enough inventory, actually a, a pretty perfect amount of inventory. We, we were running a second shift at the facility just to make sure that that happened. Um, and within about five hours, one third of our inventory was gone within maybe three days, two thirds was gone. And, uh, you know, basically we've got a replacement rate since we're still producing and we want to basically just do a soft landing on that replacement rate. So we don't lose customers. Um, and you know, fortunately that's exactly what's happening. The, the remaining third is going to kind of go out the door over the next month or so as the numbers slowly come back down to planet earth. His Daniel, and I know it's obviously early, but is his vision and strategy of where you, where he thinks you should go, is that similar to what you guys were thinking or has he got you in some different directions? It's, it's pretty aligned. Um, I can think of one case where we might've been thinking something different than what he was. And uh, I think he was right. And that's uh, thinking about convenience versus more higher end grocery. So we had been thinking about, you know, like, gas station, 7-Eleven, airport uh, stand type places just for more exposure. Uh, it's kind of a more mainstream audience. And, you know, not, not that we would have done that in the next year or two, but that was maybe a three to four year out type plan. And Daniel said, you know, that's not, that's not where your target audience is. Don't think about that for now. Uh, you know, try and saturate the higher end grocery before you even venture out to the more mainstream audiences like that. Because your, you know, your product is, it really speaks to people that are looking for healthy snacks. And so where are they, you know, where do they shop and, you know, what mindsets are people in when they go to a gas station versus, uh, Whole Foods or, or Sprouts. So what's the, what's the focus for this year then? I mean, you know, are you guys really focused on retail? Are you focused on direct sales? Where do you spend your time and energy over the next 12 months? Uh, both for sure. Um, and I know the sharks often talk about having focus, but I think for, uh, for a snack food brand, uh, retail and online can complement each other because retail is it's free exposure in a sense. Um, of course you have to dedicate inventory to it and you have to pay slotting fees, but as long as the margins, uh, mar uh, the margins positive and you're, uh, you know, moving through product and it's not just sitting there, then more people see you. And perhaps they buy in the store, perhaps they tell a friend, perhaps they go online and reorder. Um, and so that's what we've seen. Uh, the more exposure in retail, the better our online sales. Uh, and so still Amazon makes up the, mo the bulk of our business. Um, I think we said 80-20 on the show, but it's changed since then. It's coming down to more like 60 as retail uh, ramps up. Um, I think basically the plan will be continue to grow that Amazon presence 
continue to engage influencers and to do online uh, marketing. And then um, you know, on the retail side, to launch a large chain every three to six months for the next few years until we've got some more saturation. So do you still, you know, you said on the show three to five year exit, you still have that goal in mind? Yeah. You know, I think that's going to have to uh, be more of Nick's decision than mine because uh, he is the one putting in, you know, all the day-to-day work running the show. Uh, I'm still a student. And so, you know, this is something that I'm definitely thinking about a lot. And Nick and I talk about this a lot. And, uh, you know, of course I've got obligations to the company, but Nick is really the one who, you know, is losing sleep every day and, you know, running around, taking care of everything. And so if he's got five years in him to, to keep doing this, then I think he will. Uh, but, you know, if, uh, if, if the price is right in three years, then that'd be good too. So let me ask you this. Why, why have you not dropped out of school? What's your, what's your reasoning for that? Uh, comparative advantage, I think. Um, and, and uh, honestly, like uh, fulfillment and sort of uh, like life arc, I guess. Um, I, I did spend one year uh, basically developing the product. You know, I'm, I'm, uh, I like to experiment. I like to optimize. Um, and so that, that was the right role for me. Um, I also do like to strategize and think about the big picture. Uh, but the, the, uh, the, the hustling is it wore on me. Um, especially because I guess there, there's, there's so much, uh, sort of minutia, so much tedium, uh, so much like so many stressors. Um, but for, for somebody that likes to think about sort of abstract problems and, uh, you know, philosophy, um, there's not as much gain. Like it doesn't feel like, uh, you know, you can, you can build out your, um, your way of thinking about the world that well, when you've got all these things to worry about. Um, and so that, you know, I, I realized after a year that, um, I probably shouldn't continue to take gap years and I should, you know, continue to get an education. Um, and, and that was something that was an open question going into the gap year. You know, I, I, I told my parents one year, that's it. Uh, but in my head, I, I was thinking if this is going well enough, then maybe I'll continue to, you know, stay away from school. But, and it was going very well, but it wasn't exactly the right, uh, the right move for me, I think, personally. And then how much school do you have left? Uh, now only three months. Okay. So, yeah. and, then, and then what? How are you going to be spending <laughs> your days after that? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I, well, I'll definitely be working more on Quavos, uh, just thinking about it uh, you know, from the strategy side more on a day-to-day basis. But, you know, I... I I learned my lesson the first time around. I, I need to have a lot of, uh, a lot of really um, engaging and many abstract things to be worrying about and thinking about, um, not, not as much minutia. Um, and so, you know, I, I guess I'm thinking about perhaps going into uh, grad school, um, also perhaps launching other, other products in different areas, because uh, I, do, I do love to, to ideate and to, to formulate things. You sound on the surface to me like, a great concept guy, a great product development guy, not necessarily the person who wants to dig into operations and gets there and, and roll up their sleeves in that area. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right about that. And, you know, I don't want to sell myself too short on, on that side of things. That year I was grinding. You know, I, I was I, I would drive to the kitchen space and, uh, you know, in the in the cold without heating, just stand there for 10 hours a day doing experiments or, 
you know, I, I was personally seasoning the chips for a few months. Um, you know, just, uh, there's a, there was a lot of hustling and grinding. Um, you know, after all that was over, there were a hundred emails to get to. Um, but yes, I, I think in terms of, uh, that was something that I, I don't want to return to. Uh, from a marketing standpoint, how do people find out about you? Obviously being on Shark Tank helps, but what are some of the, the things that you guys do to really spread the word and get people to um, click and potentially buy the product? Yes. Um, so influencers, that was the first move. Uh, PR, uh, especially organic PR has been awesome. And you know we've got a, a good story. People like some young entrepreneurs, especially that are filling a need. And so articles have been a, a nice way for people to, to find us. And then we started doing paid marketing on Amazon. Um, and, uh, and now, you know, basically we put, a, put aside all of those activities, PR, influencer, paid marketing for the few months going into Amazon because we figured we're barely going to be able to build up the inventory we need. So let's not, you know, let's not pay to move product right now when we can wait three months and have a huge influx of orders and, and awareness. Um, and so, you know, now that that's starting to taper back down, obviously we'll retain a huge bunch of those customers that we gained. Um, but you know, it, uh, we, we could start to think about reinitiating some of these, uh, other, uh, you know, marketing, uh, channels. And then, you know, I guess as we, as we wrap up and this is, this is great. We really appreciate this. It's a, it's a unique story and, and a, and a really fun one to, to learn more about, um, you know, where, where do you want this thing to be in a few years? You know, so are you, do you see more products, uh, more variations of the, you know, of the egg white, more flavors? What are some of the things that really excite you in terms of, growing the brand? I think flavors are definitely, you know, the, the, uh, the most exciting near-term opportunity because the, you know, the chip itself is an awesome vehicle for whatever delicious taste we want to make. And so we, we've just discovered honey mustard pairs really well with the chips. Uh, mesquite barbecue is an awesome choice. And, uh, we've got, you know, five to 10 more flavors in mind that I think would go really well with the chips and we'll continue to roll those out and get our customers excited. Um, you know, every time you launch a new flavor, it's an opportunity to, to earn back some of the people that may have forgotten about you for a few weeks or months. Uh, so that, that's probably the main, the main uh, thing we'll do for the next while. Uh, but uh, like we mentioned on the show, there's also other opportunities with egg whites. Uh, we've already experimented with a, a puff uh, just, to, just to make sure that we could do it. And really within a few days of experimentation, it was clear that there was, uh, there was a, a product there uh, waiting to be discovered. And, you know, we, we don't, what, what we developed in a few days wasn't perfect, but it was, it was, uh, it was definitely on the right track. Um, and then we've also looked into uh, pretzels, um, like high protein, low carb pretzels with egg white. And that's, um, that's possible for sure. And then uh, also a, a protein cookie or something like that is probably doable with egg white as the base. Uh, so th those are some options, but I think at least for the next year, you should expect more flavors, but probably not more product lines. Have you tried pairing it with chocolate at all? Oh, interesting. No, I have not. No, I'm just, I'm thinking, you know, I'm thinking like, uh, you know, a chocolate covered pretzel um, or our dessert, you know, or even something in the protein realm. But, you know, instead of a chocolate covered pretzel, I can still indulge in some, you know, dark chocolate or whatever I like. 
but at least it's not carby inside. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah, we'll, we'll have to look into it. I didn't, I didn't, that, I didn't. that idea is free. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, try, try it. I, I, I'll be really curious what you, uh, what you have with that because that, that could be something interesting as well. Um, so where can, where's the best place for people to go and buy the product? Where do you like to send them? And then how can they follow you on social media? Sure. Uh, so uh, Amazon is, is easy for everyone. You know, we, we can ship across the country. So wherever you are, that, that will work. Um, and if, if you're not sure which flavor you know, looks the best, we've got variety packs um, and people typically order those and, and they typically love each flavor. Uh, and then if you're in the Illinois area, you can go to uh, any Whole Foods. If you're on the East Coast and you've got a Hannaford near you, then uh, that's a great place to buy the product. Um, and then we're also in, in Wegmans and Vitamin Shop now around the country. Um, and in terms of following us, we're, I believe, at Eat Quavos on Instagram. Um, if you look up, up on Facebook, we'll be there. And then, uh, we post articles and, uh, any kind of, uh, any, any news of the business on our website, Quavos.com. Awesome. Well, I got my variety pack coming. A few of them are going to go to me. The rest of them are going to go to my business partner, Joe, because he likes eating two bags of Doritos for lunch. So we're going to work on his diet. We're going to replace the Doritos with Quavos. I love where the name came from. Huevos, quickly, Quavos, healthy snack, great idea, great guy. And say hi to uh, Nick for us. He's busy slaving away. And it was just a pleasure talking with you. Yeah, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Tom. Nice talking to you guys. We're back post game. What'd you learn? Uh, well, I was, uh, I, I finished the internet. I started it prior to the interview and I just finished it and it was great. Hmm. Okay, so <laughs> a few takeaways. Um, Nick and Zach, uh, I like the fact that before uh, their appearance, they were probably fans of Shark Tank. They watched a lot of shows. They really got a good feel uh, of what they were going to be asked and what some of the scenarios would be. So they really did some preparation, and they showed up. Obviously, they showed up very, very well. So I love the fact that they did their work. They put in the hours and watched a lot of shows. Um, by the way, it's also impressive when founders know their numbers. And you don't have to be an expert at, at uh, reading financial statements or uh, CPA level designation to know your numbers. In fact, there's no excuse not to know your numbers uh, as an owner or founder. Um, and I think that uh, also Zach was very aware of his strengths and his weaknesses. Mm -hmm. And I think that's so critical, that acuity, just knowing who you are, knowing you know, what you can do, your, I always call it your highest and best use in the business. And then you know, the weaknesses that aren't gonna change, that you aren't going to uh, wrestle with, you need to hire around some of those. Well, and you know, I have a different way of asking the question, but that was my note was, you know, Zach understood where his energy and passion are. And they go hand in hand. You know, so when, when we're working with entrepreneurs and we're saying, you know, what are your strengths? What's your best value to the business? Where should you be spending your time? Another way of asking the question is what gives you energy? What 
do you have a passion for inside the business? Now, could it be that you love marketing but absolutely suck at it? Sure, but for the most part, typically the things that we're best at are also the things that give us the most energy and passion. Right. So I wouldn't just blindly assume that, oh, I really like doing this. Well, you might not be the best person for it, but ideally, here's what I'm great at. It also gives me a ton of energy. Let me focus a lot of my time on that. And yeah, I think and exactly it's a and it's a nice little formula. I'm really good at this, and I like doing it. And you do it, and you obviously create wins. You have little victories, which gives you more energy. It's a nice little positive cycle of of doing and achieving and and getting gas in your tank. Well, and the reason a lot of people are unhappy in their current work environment is because they're spending a lot of time doing things that they're not great at and they don't particularly enjoy. So, you know, as entrepreneurs, we get to pick what our days look like. Uh, We get to pick where we spend our time. So we have no excuse to be doing things that we don't enjoy. And I think that's important. I also really like the different ways that they've gone about marketing the product, you know, sending stuff to influencers, trying to get organic PR, uh, doing some paid stuff on Amazon. You have to try a lot of different things. And we learn this, Joe, time and time again with marketing, with all the organizations we work with, is the, the great marketers, they're doing a lot of different things. They're constantly monitoring what is and is not working. They're aware of the fact that just because something works today doesn't mean it's going to work in 90 days. <laughs> and so you've got to be... It's because you know, of the internet. It's, that's true. <laughs> uh, and I mean, you know, there's consumer brands. Oh, all we do is advertise on Facebook. Well, the minute that algorithm changes or laws change or it no longer works or people are no longer on Facebook, then what? So you want to have you know, a number of different things that you're always doing so that as things shift, your marketing doesn't come to a screeching halt. So right. uh, just a lot of good stuff here. Uh, Zach is such a cool guy. Um, you know, Really enjoy the business. Look forward to seeing the other products that they come out with um, along you know, the, the idea of a healthy chip. So um, really interested in yeah, I'm sorry continuing I missed, to follow I'm them. I'm sorry I yeah. missed this interview. I was obviously in rehab, but... Uh, maybe next time when we re-interview him. You know, I, I I could think of about 20 things that you should be in rehab for, so you have to be more specific. Well, appreciate you listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Zach, you're an awesome guy. Can't wait to see. Uh, Let's give him something free. Oh, as always, we say this every week, but in case you haven't heard it yet, we have a book. It's absolutely free for all the entrepreneurs and aspiring entrepreneurs. And out most there. importantly, this book does not suck. It's a fantastic <laughs> book. It's called Entrepreneurial Landmines. It's available on OutsideTheTank.com, or you can just scroll back in this feed and you'll find the entire audio book available. So enjoy it. It's our gift to you. Yes. And uh, anything we can do, you can also, anytime you want to book a call with Joe and I, jump on our calendar for 15, 20 minutes and chat about your business or idea or whatever you're struggling with. We're happy to do that for all of our loyal listeners as well. So as always, hope you enjoyed this. We'll see you next week on an all new episode of... Outside Outside the the tank. tank.